Welcome to another episode of Startups and Fuckups, a podcast that brings you the journey of the startup ecosystem in Africa. We talk to investors, uh, shareholders, and all kinds of stakeholders. Yes, the word is stakeholders in the startups ecosystem. Now, in this episode, wow, we're going to go on a journey, and our guest is going to take us quite on the journey. We have the CEO of the Rwanda ICT Chamber. Now, this gentleman has been there since the inception of the startup ecosystem in Rwanda. He's going to take us through that journey and what it has taken for the sector to grow from, you know, attracting literally nothing to attracting grants to now startups in Rwanda being able to raise over $20 million in a quarter. But even better, Alex, I don't know if you have this news yet, but a Rwandan-based startup has been accepted into Y Combinator. Wow. That's really news I, I didn't have. They just raised $2 million. You didn't care. Mm. They've been accepted into Y Combinator. And do you know what Y Combinator is? Yes. It's more than a network. It's every startup's dream, I guess. It's the best run. Excellent. Did you see this happening? The early? Uh, no. What I think at the very beginning, what we all wanted or what we all dreamt was building something and something big coming out of Rwanda. We're yet to see that, but at least we're not where we used to be back in 2012 or 11 when we were starting. But today we know, we hear of companies like Zipline, companies like Babylon that have started in Rwanda and gone on to expand in several markets in Rwanda and on the globe. We didn't imagine it, but I think the visionary leadership, I must stress unapologetically, is that... It saw that way far in 2001 when the business environment was being revamped to make sure that it is an environment that is conducive to investors, conducive to people that want to build knowledge-based businesses. I want to go back, Alex, to 2011. You mentioned 2011, 2012, right? Mm -hmm. And the first talk about K-Lab and all these things was happening uh, on the startup ecosystem. And when it wasn't cool (laughs) to be in the startup world, there was a dream. Yes. And uh, you, and uh, I want to go back to those early people at uh, K-Lab, you, Aphrodis, Patrick Buchana. There's even Alia. Yeah. Please take it away. So Alia, I think... If we said day one or day zero for me was the first meeting that we had with the founder of Hehe, Clarice Ulajiza, with uh, Shaking Sun, Nakali Zagara, Mika Klo, and uh, that's Mijisha, Claude. Yeah, Mijisha to Claude and Fabrice. I mean, that first meeting we met in a cafe and we're talking about, okay, can we organize something? We'll just come back ourselves, myself and Fabrice, but Aka and Clarice had been already riding and driving things here. So we wanted to leverage what was happening and they were kind enough to open up and, uh, and really integrate us into the ecosystem. Then KIST and also a few competitions that had been run with MIT Global Startup USA, GSP at KIST but also the RDB team that was very accommodating and welcoming. Then now Minister Paula and Patrick was heading the RDB IT department. But that's one side. Then on the other side, there were people earlier than us, a group at KIST called Code Park, now College of Science and Technology. 
that were also uh, working on something every Wednesday. They had code nights and there's a team from Nyaruka. These were mentoring young developers, uh, their ex-Amazon uh, people that really knew, had an idea about startups and, and building uh, businesses. We really didn't have a clue. We just thought, okay. This is something that we can build just like everyone else has built around the world. And we had an environment that was welcoming and accommodating. I left out a few other people that actually formed the chamber uh, before I came. That is uh, the team uh, that was uh, Axis Investments, Dimension Data, uh, Dimension. Then they were called Dimension, now Axiom Networks, the people that uh, pivoted and built. Axiom Networks. So um, Clemar Wajeneza from, from Axis Investment. These are the people that really had held up things. And I think I'm leaving out busy uh, from CMU because now CMU had already uh, had, was starting in Rwanda September 2011. The, the pieces that just seemed to fit at a time, we were just like, okay, something has been done in Kenya with IHUB. And there's a few coming up around on the continent, but we were just trying our luck. And we so see Nigeria. Nigeria, I think, had gotten its first unicorn by then. We didn't even know what unicorns were. We were just looking at, okay, how do we build? I think a year or two years before that, that's when the Facebook movie had come out, Social Network. So there wasn't much, but there was hunger. There were young people were hungry to build something solid here. So that's now, I think we can all look back and say it worked or it's not working. <laughs> so some people will tell us it's not working, but it's fine. I'm glad we're not where we used to be. Massive steps, because you look at 2011, you look at 2023, mm. uh, that's approximately, what, 11, 12 years later. Correct. The movement has been normal. Yes. For lack of a better word. Mm. When you look at the targets, because I want to bring in startups. If you wake up today morning and you look at a Davis Nesriayo with Pesa Choice being able to raise $3 million, when you look at a Pindo raising $700,000 eight months after inception, yeah. $10,000 was a dream. Yes. For startups uh, last time. Yes, <laughs> it was. Even for them, it's been a journey. Someone said, um, is it Mandela? It always seems impossible until it is done. So once... You have these people doing it, cracking it. So Clarice sells their business or SA Group attracts investment. And you have a crux. Then those cracks like that guy, that prophet who told the king, say, Ron, I see there's a small uh, crack that I see like a small fist in, 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 the, in the sky or the cloud. Uh, and, and it's going to pour after three and a half years of drought. So that's, I think, what I needed and that gave people hope and now people are afraid to start a startup. It's fashionable now. Everyone wants to go into the startup world. That's a good sign it's not, you know, it hasn't been very rosy. We're talking about the process and the end of it. I think what's usually sweeter is the process. Yes. You talked about what our Tama's uh, startup 1.0, you know, now that we talk about web again, <laughs> talk about these things in that format. Rwanda startup journey has been, one would say, you know that lightweight boxer or welterweight who thinks they can punch in the heavyweight division, right? Mm -hmm. 
And the comparison is you look at the numbers because numbers don't lie. Yeah. Kenya Startup Scene last year did $1.6 billion in uh, investment. Renders did what? $10.2 million, slightly above yeah. that. This year, first quarter alone in our house, Norskin Kigali, yeah. uh, startups there have done 30 million in Q1. Yes. What kind of story does that tell? It tells a growth story that, like you were saying, that you punch above your weight. And that can be seen in the rest of the ecosystem, not just the startup ecosystem, but in the rest of the economy. A few years ago, we didn't have anything to speak of as a stadium. Okay, today we have an arena, we have, uh, and we're attracting. Um, and I sat in a room just across the table. It was a forest we take up. So you get to think about it and you know something is happening here. And all of us just need to open our eyes and see what's happening around us. So the capital that is being raised by the startups is an indicator one that, yes, we've been slow, but we'll catch on. And also to encourage those that are not yet found their investor, that don't lose hope that it's possible. Okay, we didn't, we made a negligible fraction of the money raised in another ecosystem, but that shouldn't matter. You just the process, stay in the process and trust the process like they say, it will give you results. And I think for me, where this was evidenced is during the pandemic, when houses, when roads and everything were all locked up in our homes, we couldn't move. And boom, the internet now, the fact that we had built leaders had looked at this as a necessity and built an internet infrastructure across the country. Okay that we could stay home, stay productive, and still go on. So the process has been building systems. And I think that's what works for us. Build a system, business environment that attracts the best, that attracts investors, that gives confidence to the globe. In 2000, I think we woke up to a letter that was, the whole world is welcome to Rwanda. You can get a visa on arrival, okay? That doesn't just happen anywhere. Nope. So it's that openness to do business and open to the world and trust that if we build systems, it will work. Every day mm. here at Norskin, I interact with a new investor, right? And that new investor largely is shocked when you tell them that you get a business registration certificate mm. within six hours. If it has really been pushed, right? Mm. Six hours, you register with the run development board. And you're able to get a certificate, you start your business, you're functional immediately. You can compete for a tender yep. immediately. We take that for granted. No, we take too many things for granted in Rwanda. Uh, yeah. Mm. But in there could be a disadvantage. Sure. And that disadvantage could be that maybe we don't hustle enough. We're not as hungry because mm. everything has been given to us. In a way, you know, like that child at school, mm. what they call the trust fund baby. Mm. So other African countries, we run random businesses or startups, they look like the trust fund baby. People are shocked when they come here. Like, oh, I can get a, I get a visa on arrival. I can set up a business. I can get a bank account. I can all in one day. How do you think we are taking advantage of the positioning of Randa as startups? Not well enough. I think we're not aggressive. I think when I say people uh, take, uh, they feel insulted. But I think we're not yet as aggressive 
uh, some of our neighbors or some of our colleagues are from the rest. And someone the other day said, we're aggressive, just not loud. Or <laughs> we're aggressive. I call bollocks on it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we need to change that if we were to go out, because the rest of the world doesn't operate on those principles. It operates on a, a very competitive uh, hustler and dog, you know, push. Dog. Uh, wow. Yes. So is a come, is a go, they say. <laughs> so sometimes that's really the situation we found ourselves in. But I believe that there is a new breed of um, entrepreneurs that are coming up that are hungrier because they don't know anything better else they'll be left behind. So that's where the advantage comes in. The openness like on our visa policy mm. that's allowing other Africans to get into the market and set up businesses in Rwanda, right? And start from here or other, you know, when you look at the zip lines of this world, bills of this world, startups that have come and started out of Rwanda and we look at them as examples and you're like, you know what? I can build a bubble of e-commerce. I can build XYZ of the health tech sector. Do you think that's going to uplift? And if so, how long is it going to take us to just take that next now step? So there are several things that build a business or even a startup for that matter. One of them is talent and exposure. To be honest and to be sincere and maybe fair to our colleagues, we are 60 plus percent under 40, or if not, uh, even in that, you could find 80% of that is under 30 as a population in our demographics. So what that means is that the young people, they are inexperienced, are also inexposed. And when you're in such a situation, you're also limited on how much you will innovate and how much you can push certain things because you've just simply not been exposed to certain things. So these companies, what I've seen at least, even going back to the example I gave you of Nyaruka, is that some of the people that have come out of those, okay, have had a kind of an employment so that they've come out of Nyaruka and now they're the Pindos. Okay, uh, come out of uh, Samozilla co-founding again, or even Favorite that we talked about here, uh, Pesa Choice, also has ex-corporate experience on the team. So brings that talent that has been sharpened from somewhere else and now builds on top of that. I know a few, or oh, today CEO of uh, uh, Irembo is ex-Zipline. Uh, Okay, but has had also the, I think, I'm sure he's been on this podcast. Yeah. And there's several other colleagues of theirs that are in the process. So the process is that instead of looking at these companies as maybe taking away our lunch or whatever, let's look at them as training ground, okay, that is going to give us the talent pool that we need. Uh, you look at the guys that went to CMU, the first generation. Now, these are our leaders yep. that we have in government. Uh, whether CDOs or PSs or such director generals. So unfortunately, there are certain things that you cannot be squeezed in tons of time. You can't leapfrog certain things. Yeah. And the more talent we attract, the more of these competitive companies or businesses we attract here and our youngsters are exposed to them, the better they're going to be and the better businesses we're going to, to build. Alex, let us talk about some failures. We call them fuck-ups, yeah? Yeah. And I want to go back to a conversation you and I had about five years ago. 
And this was at Caleb. It was regarding what is not working. Mm. And at that time, you know, we talked about lack of capital. We talked about lack of access to markets, hunger, of course. Yeah. That, that has always been yes. a conversation <laughs> and I have had for a very long time. Hunger, lack of hunger in our markets. Yeah. Looking back now, five years later, mm. do we still have the same challenges? And what could you do differently then that you think could propel us to be in a better position now? Right now, I think back then was survival for the fittest. Yep. Okay. So if you can survive this, then fine, you make it. Or you give up, go find a job. Okay. And we saw quite a number of those. And again, what we have seen is those guys that didn't make it in the startup world, when they go into employment, they perform very well. Mm. They perform great because they are self-managed. There's a skill that they picked up from trying to build a business that is actually transferable within the working environment. So there's no harm in handholding. I hear people sometimes make erroneous claims that Silicon Valley was private sector led or all these things. Those are really untrue. You have a lot of U.S. defense money going to these ecosystems. You have SBA, you have a lot of uh, capital that has flocked into China and South Africa. So same, same, same Israel uh, with Yosma, with the Yosma model. And, mm. and so the support that is needed to build a knowledge based economy, yeah, is enormous. It's way more than earlier anticipated because then you could build an app and put it on Play Store and then overnight success, like we call it. Today, you need more science. As AI comes, even more, more science, and you need to get deeper. And I think that's the next generation of entrepreneurship and startups that we're going to be seeing that will survive the chat GPT wave. (laughs) (laughs) Chat GPT wave three. And yeah, I don't know how many people still use chat GPT from the time everyone is talking about usage of chat GPT. Yeah. Who is Alex beyond the tech world? I love God. Um, This is, you had alluded to the fact that I go to church. uh, So... I'm a Christian. I yeah. went to Macquarie University several, several years ago. I yeah. went to University of Westminster, pursued computer science for my bachelor's and I did investment at one finance for my master's and did some of the strategy stuff. So you worked in the city of London for a few years before coming back here. And I'm passionate about Many things, but what drives me really is entrepreneurship and building entrepreneurs and working with them to make sure that we build the Rwanda. Alex, one thing which always is part of our conversations has always been how do we build beyond us? Mm. Political liberation was given to us. Yes. You know, our parents fought for it. Mm. They didn't have a place to call home. (laughs) We are lucky. Mm. Our job is to create economic liberation. Correct. There is no silver bullet to it. Mm Mm-hmm. But then technology can be a great equalizer. And that's, I think, that's the beauty of it, that we can leverage these technologies. We can leverage the education that we have received. Been lucky, I tell people I'm privileged. (laughs) Because I'm I'm in a certain percentage of the 8 billion in the world. I'm in a certain quartile. So I don't think that just happens, coincidence. I think I'm here for a bigger purpose than just serving myself. You've been given a lot of your plate. Which Bible verse is that? To whom much is given, much is expected. Yes. 
I believe that we have something to give. And there's a famous saying that every little helps. Okay. So every brick in building will help. And for me, I think my small component is on this part of the economy. I love the humility. Ladies and gentlemen, Alex Nare, he is the CEO of the Rwanda ICT Chamber. That is quite, quite the journey. You've been listening to another episode of Startups and Fuck Ups, a podcast brought to you by Norskin House Kigali, where we talk to stakeholders in Africa's startup ecosystem. Today's story, we, were, we had a focus on where Rwanda came from. Uh, congratulations, Eden Care, on being accepted into the Y Combinator. Alex wants to shed a tear here, small. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm happy. So happy for Moses and his team. We are validated in the sense that is what we needed as an ecosystem. Yeah. Alex, thank you for making the time. Thank you for hosting me. You can find this podcast across all your favorite podcast platforms. Uh, You can also follow us at Norskin EA. That's Norskin and Norskin EA across Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Facebook, LinkedIn as well. We're there. Thank you for making the time.